Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. Let's have a look at these pictures and have a think of the four of them, which location or place or whatever, where, where would you feel most content? Where would you feel most happy, most joyful, most at peace, most blessed? We've got top left there, you know, a, um, a kind of coastal, and obviously you wouldn't you know, really enjoy that kind of environment, James, but you know, you, you're talking about extravagance and peace in the top left there. On the right, you know, a little bit of quiet and comfort, maybe some intellectual stimulation. Uh, bottom left, friends, family, just hanging out with people, um, and then a bit of adventure on the bottom right. Where would you sit? And it might be a little bit of all of the above, but let's, let's get hands up for the top one. Would you say um, peace? And No? No one? Hands up? Oh, we've got one. That could just, have been us this afternoon. Could have been us. Yeah. <laughs> um, top right, anyone else? You know, the, a book, uh, a game, something like that, a, a film. Bottom left, people. Yeah, a few like confident extroverts among us. Uh, bottom right, the adventurers. There they are, absolutely. Fantastic. So uh, there's not really a correct answer with these. I, was, I wasn't trying to get um, one particular answer. I'm just trying to work out where you feel most blessed. So that word, the simplest definition I could find of blessed was uh, basically where uh, you are happy. To be happy. Um, and we all seek blessing. Um, in that we want to feel good. We seek blessing and we spend our whole lives seeking blessing. We spend our whole lives trying to get that. We want to, we want to be safe. We want to be secure. We want to be thrilled, excited, buzzed. We want to feel blessed. And we just spend our lives trying to fill that desire. Um, we get up in the morning to feel blessed. We stay in bed to feel blessed. We go to work to feel blessed. We don't work to feel blessed. We go out to feel blessed. We stay in to watch TV to feel blessed. We eat. We stop eating. We drink. We stop drinking. We start smoking. We quit smoking. We get into intimate relationships. We do all these things to feel blessed. You get the point. Um, G.K. Chesterton is known for this quote. Every man who knocks on the door of a brothel is looking for God. And perhaps the more modern version of that quote might be anyone typing in the, the, the address to a pornography site is looking for God. And what he's saying is that whenever anyone carries out, even what society 100 years ago when that quote was, was said, um, and society you know, saw that as the most dark and shameful kind of thing. Even then, anyone doing that, deep down, they're just chasing fulfillment um, that we are designed to have filled by God. Um, so if we feel empty, we will seek to be filled wherever and with whoever we can get it. And today we're looking at a psalm that says that we should trust God 
for an incredible blessing in his presence. And for those of us that see God as as a load of rules and no fun, this should help us to trust him for blessing and seek blessing from him rather than elsewhere. And there might be others in the room that follow God and you call yourself a Christian, but you don't don't see him in other Christians. Uh, Because maybe they've hurt you, uh, or generally they they don't act like God's in their life. Uh, And again, this should help us trust in God for incredible blessing in his presence. Let's read Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home. And the swallow, a nest for herself, where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose hearts are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord, God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. And the first thing we're getting from Psalm 84 is the blessing of God's presence. Um, Where was the psalmist talking about when they referred to God's presence? In verse 1, the writer says, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. And they're talking about a specific place that God dwells. Where is this place that God dwells? Where does he live? He lives in the temple. And we might have a little picture of the temple at some point. There we go. He lives in the temple. Um, and that is, that is ancient. That was destroyed and then rebuilt again and then destroyed again. But that was way back when. That was where God lived. And that was the place where um, it was clean enough and it was deemed worthy enough For God to live there. And this prescribed place uh, was was the place for people to be with God. And they were blessed to be in God's presence. Uh, Because they would sing, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of of hosts. How lovely is where you live, God. Verse 2 says, my soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart, and that's representing... Uh, your whole inner being and flesh representing your whole body sing for joy to the living God everything about this writer is screaming God you are amazing and I want to be with you shooting down to verse 10 it says for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere and a thousand days is almost three years so he's saying 
Um, I would rather be one day with you, God, one day than three years anywhere else. So take yourself back to that desired location of yours um, or, or to be with those desired people of yours and this psalmist is saying one day with God, one day is better than a thousand days elsewhere. Now, even if we went to the beach today as a ginger, I wasn't going to be in the sun the whole time. I just wasn't. Like Some of you obviously love a sun-soaked holiday, uh, but at some point, I feel like a thousand days in the sun, um, you know, you're going to get a little bit ill. And equally, those of you that love your adventure and go, go on your skiing mountains, I've not done that before, I like non-broken limbs, but um, you, you're going to get cold after a thousand days, surely. And equally, you know, Isaac, you can't take a thousand days of KFC. You can't. But that ideal combination, that I'm going to eat that stuff, I'm going to be with those people, I'm going to be in that place, that perfect combination... One day with God is better than wherever else and with whoever else for 1,000 days. In fact, it all falls far short of the blessing of being in God's presence. So God's presence today, a long time ago, God lived in a temple in Jerusalem. And what does any of this actually mean for us? Today, we as Christians are God's temple. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? Wow. We are that ancient temple, the place that, I mean, you saw how beautiful that place was with all the gold everywhere and the, the size of that thing. We are that beautiful dwelling place where God lives as Christians. All that stuff the psalmist said about being in God's presence, that applies to us all the time, every single day, every single second, that applies to us. Everywhere we go, we are in God's presence because he has made his temple in us. A quick checkpoint about God's presence. His presence is everywhere. Jeremiah 23, 23 says, that God is everywhere. But we're told elsewhere in the Bible that his presence is specifically in the temple in a special way. The building that was the temple, it doesn't exist anymore because as Christians, our bodies are the temple. You are where God lives. And so when you meet other Christians, that also means you are in God's dwelling place. You meet other believers You are where God lives. Because they are where God lives. The building isn't therefore a church. There isn't a building on earth where you should go looking for God. Not a a chapel or cathedral or monastery um, or primary school. Don't go to Israel looking for God. Don't go to a beautiful, serene landscape looking for God. Um, The most reliable place to find God would be where his people are. That is the one place we can reliably go to find God in each other. And that is one massive part of why we're here right now. Um, We are here to worship God in his presence together this morning. And there is blessing in that. 
The blessing is because God is here right now. This isn't uh, a pub community. I love going to the pub. I love going to the Great Horse. We went there yesterday and within minutes, you know, you can end up chatting to some random person. It's a great place, but it is nothing compared to where God is. This is better than a sports club, a social club. This is better than any other community. This is different because this is where God is. Um, it's not the same as uh, being with you know, those colleagues that you love hanging out with. It's not the same. This is where God is. And there is far more blessing here than anywhere else. And that doesn't mean church is perfect. It isn't. Um, I mean, I'm in this church, so for a start, this, it is absolutely not perfect. And it won't be until Jesus comes back. But it's full of God's, of God's presence. And there is incredible blessing. Incredible blessing in that. And uh, if you've ever found yourself wound up with church and you think, wait a second, I'm, I've got God in me. I can get away with you know, not being in church. I can get away, you know, God, God is with me. I don't need all of that. Don't be fooled. You are born to be in a community of people with God's presence. You are born for that. And that being said, how often do we meet other Christians and think, how lovely is, is his dwelling place? How lovely is this person that God has inhabited? I want to challenge you this week. Um, yeah, you're so on it with the slides, Sonia, I've got to say. I want to challenge you this week to thank God for someone that you think is beautiful because God lives in them. Forget their imperfections. Forget how they've wronged you and say to God, how lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. Thank you for the ways in which you bless me through this person. So despite the blessing that comes from God with, uh, with God individually and corporately as well, church isn't always the place we want to go to find God. There could be numerous reasons we don't want to seek God through church. We don't want to be with specific person Uh, we're not keen on the stuff that we do here the journey to church can be a faff you know this morning detour about seven eight minutes wasn't it to to actually get to the building because of the road being closed it can be a faff and it it makes us think I don't really want to go this morning it's raining equally all the struggles of life the struggles of life can stop us from being with God's people but the second thing we're seeing in this psalm is that there is blessing, there is blessing in the journey itself. So there is blessing in the seeking of God's presence. In the middle verses of this psalm, we see a journey. We see the people of God journeying to Jerusalem. And most Jews would do this three times a year. And they would go and they might take their families with them and they would camp in Jerusalem. Um, and they would do that for a week or more, just worshipping with God's people. And they'd be absolutely loving it. But more than that, they actually love the journey itself. Because the journey is about them getting closer to being in his presence. There is blessing in the seeking of God's presence. It'd be the anticipation of going to that place where God was. They would love it. So firstly, they grieve in verse 6. We look at the grief that they go through to get to God. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. 
a place of springs. We don't know whether the Valley of Baca was an actual geographical location or if it's a metaphor, but either way, the closest translation of Baca is weeping. These people are going through a place of weeping. They had a hard time getting to the temple um, and to God's presence. On the way, they would travel through dangerous locations with literally death looming around corners. And yet the verse reads, they make it a place of springs. And what are springs but life? If you're going through the wilderness and there's been no water for a long, long time, I don't know what it's like travelling through that kind of environment, but as soon as you see a spring, a natural spring, it's life, isn't it? It's literal life. In the hardest times, God will give blessing. And he gives the blessing in the midst of the weeping and in the midst of the danger. Seek God's presence. Go on that journey and there will be blessing that comes out of the valley of tears. Let me say that again. Truly seek God's presence and although at times it may be hard to get there, he will bring blessing out of the hardship. Um, They seek, verse 5. And we see in verse 5 how that actually happens. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. It's about the seekers fully relying on God to get them to God through the grief. Not using God as as one tool in our toolbox. I've got here... um, you know, some might say I'm not a real man because I don't have an actual toolbox, um, but I don't believe in that. This is a music stand bag um, that I've stolen from church, and even my tools are really small as well. Look at this hammer. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, it's, it's easy to, to use a bunch of tools to go, ah, um, I'll try that thing. That doesn't work. Oh, maybe we should try God. Let, let's try God now. Oh, that, that actually worked. We often do that in life, don't we? We have this toolbox. And God is further down the list. We do this stuff and then we use God as one tool in our toolbox. Um, Instead, the better way of of trusting in God, of having our strength in God, imagine my arm, I've actually got, this is a pretty poor little prop here with a tiny God written on it, but imagine, you know, my arm has got God written on it and you're using that tool and all the strength, Every, you know, the muscle, the tendons, all of that is God. And you can use the stuff that God's given you. You know, you can, you can do good things. You can do charity. You can avoid turning your back on God in lots of ways. But in the end, it is through God's strength that we do that. And that doesn't mean that the, that the seekers were going to Jerusalem. They, they were thinking, right, I'm not going to have to walk there. God's just going to take me there. I don't have to use my legs. I don't have to use my hands to feed myself. But instead it's trusting that God is going to use your legs to get you there. God is going to use that path to get you there. Instead the whole time they trusted that God would do this. So where in our seeking do we say, oh that didn't work, let's try using God. Two examples um, are specific to us seeking God's presence that I've 
chosen today, two examples. But we can use this kind of toolbox analogy for anything in our, in our life. Uh, but these two examples this morning are the journey to church and the running of our gatherings. I've called this right now a gathering because um, we know that the service in the morning, like this, uh, what, 9.30 till uh, whenever it is, 12 o'clock, that's not church. Church is the people. Yeah, we've already looked at that. So I'm just going to call this our gathering. So the journey to church and the gatherings that we have as well. Um, the journey to church. If in our lives God is an afterthought and we only turn to him when something goes wrong, then our strength, our strength isn't in him. If our strength isn't in him, we're not going to receive the blessing of being in his presence. And so we're not going to seek him in the normal hustle and bustle of life. And we're not going to get that blessing of journeying to God. What would it be like if, as a church, as CCM Reddish, our strength was fully in God? What would it be like? We'd be excited, We'd be excited to come here. We wouldn't want to miss being in here. If there were bad times that, rose, that arose, we'd love the idea of heading to church. We'd move stuff around so that we could get here. We'd be going to bed earlier on a Saturday so we could get early enough and not you know, lie in and we'd be here and join with each other in the blessing. We'd be picking people up to get here as well. Second thing, uh, the running of our gatherings. How much of our time together is operated on our own strength? How much is done on God's strength? It's, it's a really difficult thing to measure, but you tell by the outcome. If we have our strength in God, uh, we will go through hard stuff. And verse 7 says, each one appears before God in Zion. Zion's another name for Jerusalem. So again, if our strength is fully in God, not just turning to him when something goes wrong, then the projector's going to stop working and stacks of chairs are going to fall over and you're going to play chords that are wrong and babies are going to cry. Stuff's going to happen. But we will all still meet with him. We will meet with God in his presence. Uh, one more thing on verse 5. Um, they encourage. So, blessed are those, verse 5, blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose hearts are the highways to Zion. A highway was a highway. Not hard to kind of understand that, um, that translation there. It was a high road. It was a road that was higher than the valleys. It was higher than the marshes. It was higher than the, the dangerous paths where robbers might be lo uh, looming. Um, anything that might hinder the traveller. And those highways, they were cleared by previous saints, previous uh, God-trusters, if you like, in whose hearts are the highways to Zion. This traveller makes it easier for others to get to God's presence. Earlier, I set you the challenge uh, to thank God throughout this week for someone who is beautiful because God shines out of them. Um, and if you've got that person in mind, I want you to think right now, how have they made it easier for you to get into God's presence? Just think for a moment. That one person, how have they made it, made it easier for you? 
could be, it could be as practical as they give you a lift to a community group, um, or it could be as big as they just trust God. We've already seen this hinted at previous verses, but the main thing God is saying to us in these last verses of this psalm um, is the trusting for God's presence. Verse 8 says, O Lord, God of hosts, hear my prayer, give ear, O God of Jacob. The psalmist is really humbling themselves there. They're saying, God, you don't have to listen, but please do. I need you in this. And verse 11 says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. A sun provides life. There is no life on this planet that would exist without the sun. It's life. The sun is life. Um, And a shield is protection. And the psalmist is saying, God, you are my source of life and protection. Um, Then they go on singing about God giving favour and honour. Any blessing they've received from God. They carry on with, no good thing does he withhold. Wow, so God is their source of life, their protection. All good stuff is coming from them, every single blessing, every good thing. But please be careful not to read that God will give you anything you want. Don't read, God will give you anything you want. Um, He will withhold nothing that is for your good. That's what it is. He will withhold nothing that is for your good. And this almost circles back round to when we were looking at Joseph a couple of months ago, Um, Joseph went through some hard stuff but God meant it for good and Joseph trusted God and he received incredible blessing the next part of the verse reads from those who walk uprightly but to the psalmist this walking uprightly was coming out of trusting for God's presence and equally for us don't let Doing good stuff be the way you get to God's presence. Don't let avoiding doing bad stuff be the way you get to God's presence. Use that stuff, but it's in God's strength. It's trusting God. It would be easy in our lives to get this tool of doing good works and remove, totally remove our trust in God. It isn't going to get us into his presence. Being good isn't going to see the blessings come through hardship. It's trusting God for God's presence. Verse 9 mentions an anointed one. And this anointed one, um, it could have been uh, the king, the king of Israel, um, someone who was supposed to point their people to God. It could have been a priest, someone who would sacrifice animals and again help Israel access God. Um, but we know today that forevermore Jesus is the king and the priest. Jesus is God's anointed one. He is the one we approach for access to God. Let's have one, one more look at the temple. There was an altar. Um, and it was where God's people would bring animals to be sacrificed. And they did this because at times they didn't trust God. Like us, Israel didn't trust God. And God hates injustice. So he'd need his people to pay for not trusting him. But because he loved them so much, he provided an altar. And God provided animals in which which they could be spared. 
and the animals would be killed at the altar and his people didn't need to die for their sin, for the stuff they did wrong. Again, the key thing here is trust. They trusted that God, that he would give them peace and that they could be in present in his presence. It was about trust. And the psalmist beautifully puts it into verse 3, the kind of trust that they should have. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young. That's trust, isn't it? She, like, you know, you, you have a child and you're going to put your child somewhere. You've got to have a trust in that location. And these birds are, are laying these, these uh, what do you call little birdlings? Chicks, I don't know what they are called, laying them at God's altar. Birdlings is good, I think. Um, laying them at God's altar. Even something as lowly as a bird, something as lowly as a bird, is able to have um, a place near God. And how much more does he love us? So much more. Anything we've done in life, anything we've done in life, we can trust God for God's presence. And that nicely leads us on to communion. Um, we're about to eat some bread and drink some juice, which represent uh, something quite odd. They represent, um, well, the, the bread we're going to eat, that, repre- that represents the, the flesh of a sacrifice. And the juice represents the blood of a sacrifice. And we kind of take part in that by eating and drinking those things. Um, but they're not the, it's not the sacrifice of an animal. It's not even the sacrifice of ourselves. Because an animal dying in the place of um, an Israelite was never the way in which they would be saved. Um, they trusted that that sacrifice would be their salvation. But really it was the, the sacrifice of Jesus we know now that it was the sacrifice of God's anointed one. Um, and so that's what we're partaking in when we take communion. It means if we trust in him, through him and his sacrifice, we are blessed with everlasting life. That is amazing. What a blessing. We are no longer enemies with God, but instead live in his presence now and forevermore. Please think... How good that God has sacrificed himself that we can be in his presence. How good is that?